0: Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. On today's show, my guest is Gordon Dalby. He is the author of Healing the Masculine Soul How God Restores Men to Real Manhood. Gordon Dalby is a popular speaker at conferences and retreats around the world. He has appeared on numerous radio and television programs, including focus on the family and the 700 club the author of healing the masculine soul his articles have appeared in new man readers digest focus on the family catholic digest christian herald and the los angeles times he is a graduate of duke university and holds a ma in journalism from stanford university and a mdiv from harvard university a former peace corps volunteer news reporter High school teacher and pastor, Uh, Gordon resides in Santa Barbara, California. I will say this, this doesn't happen uh, with authors often, but Gordon's books are on his website at a cheaper rate uh, than you can find them on Amazon, and his website is abbafather.com. Just recently, I received Sons of the Father from Gordon, and uh, look forward to reading that in early 2018. On today's show, Gordon and I are going to discuss the freedom uh, we receive when we get honest with ourselves and with God. Only then do we begin to understand who we are as men. We are going to take a look at five major items that Gordon has dedicated his life to writing about that he believes God gave him to focus his writing on. When you hear these five items, you're going to see that it really does give you a, a library to equip you as a man of God. He's also going to share a story about buying a pair of cowboy boots or attempting to and how he correlates that with the wrestling match inside of each man, what we do for a living versus who we feel called to be, being a generation or two removed from the working class generation. Uh, The opportunity to speak with Gordon was quite a blessing and this is going to be a a two-part show. The second part is going to air next week. Before we get into the show, uh, we need to talk about the fact how 2017 is winding down incredibly quickly. With 90 days left in the year, we started this Pursuit of Manliness 90-Day Focus, and this was an opportunity to take a look at the last 90 days of the year and say, what do I desire to accomplish? What do I want to see changed in my life for 90 days? For many of you guys you've engaged in this you've used the hashtag pom 90 day focus We've shared that within our closed group some of the things that we're currently doing as we try to uh, Pursue being a better man and using this small window of time this sprint to the finish uh, For the rest of the year So I want to encourage you guys to do that to want to encourage you to finish well There's an easy opportunity to go lax at the end of the year as the weather changes as food gets better as things happen that we can get lax on the disciplines that we have created the first 10 or even 11 months of the year that you take a look at the finish line and say i want to finish 2017 well as i sit with my family or i sit with friends or i sit wherever i'm at on december 31st 2017 i can sit there proudly and say you know what i gave it my all and that's all we want to do the other thing that we want to do is take a look at what we're going to read for 2018. You know, the truth is this. It's not a sin uh, to not read a book, but it is a great blessing and benefit if we do. It's one of the best ways that you're going to pour into yourself intellectually. You're going to challenge yourself and you're going to broaden and strengthen your biblical worldview through that lens of reading. Um, I want to encourage you to pick two or three books uh, that you might read for next year. One of the things with Pursuit of Manliness is uh, I try to write or share about books that I have read that I think would be equipping uh, or challenging to you. I've also been intentional about every guest that's been on the podcast, asking them what book or books would they recommend. And in the next week or two, I'm going to share that list with you guys. Um, Here are the books that the guests on the podcast have shared from this past year uh, that they are currently reading or have read or recommend that you read as well. So uh, be very intentional about that. The other thing I want you to do is uh, get a plan. As you look at 2018, uh, get a plan to be in the Bible. Uh, whether it's a chronological plan where you're going to read chronologically and you can find these things online, um, uh, the Bible, or you're going to read from left to right or whatever system you want to use. I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you to get in the word of God and read every page of it in 2018. Far too many men have never read the entire Bible. And the truth is, there's absolutely no excuse for that. If we want to do it, we'll make it happen. Uh, One of my challenges for the Pursuit of Manliness 90-Day Focus was I wanted to read the New Testament in 90 days. And I got to tell you, as of yesterday, and this is middle of November when I'm recording this, uh, I just finished Revelation. You can do it if you want to do it. If you want to do it, you will. So I want to encourage you to read every page of the Bible this year uh, from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation. Uh, make it something that at the end of the year, you can say, I did it. If it's the first time you've done it, great. If you've done it many times before, I just want to encourage you and challenge you. Let's make 2018 a year that we're going left to right or however you want to do it, that we are going in and through the Word of God. As we said before, reading the Bible does not have to be difficult. It just needs to to be intentional. You know, I also want to encourage you, if you're listening to this uh, through iTunes or wherever you're finding it and you're not a part of our Facebook closed group, I just want to encourage you to think about getting in that if you if you want. Uh, it's a group that continues to grow um, every day. We're over 1,700 something at this point. Uh, it's just a great opportunity. You can find it at facebook.com backslash groups backslash pursuit of manliness Uh, you click join we'll add you to that group want to get you in there men so you can connect it's been a great way for men to connect ask questions and just try to be and build better men together all right men. now it is time to welcome gordon dalby to the show I ain't to be show Gordon, thank you for taking time and being on this podcast with us
1: Oh, it's great to be with you and the, uh, the listeners, Jared
0: Gordon, it's, it's an honor to have you here Could you start by uh, telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and then the ministry that God has called you to?
1: Yeah, well, I was born during World War II um, I was called a victim Baby, because I was born after June 11th, uh, D-Day, and so that means that the the decisive battle had been won, but the war was still on. So that has biblical significance, um, uh, the relevance. In fact, uh, uh, I, I, as, a, as a boy, um, my models and all heroes are all the, the, my father and his. Fellow men who who fought in World War Two. We didn't have Xboxes and those kind of things We're with fantasy war. We actually, our fathers actually fought in a war, which is very real to us. I, I, my longing was to be a warrior like my daddy. And uh, long story short, when I went to college. I I failed the NROTC physical because I was colorblind which was a devastating blow to me because I wanted to be a Navy officer like my dad had been in World War II. And it wasn't until years later that I met G. When I met Jesus, I had been passing a church for about a year and a half when I met Jesus. That's another story. Um, And uh, when he showed up and actually appeared in my church office and healed someone there. Um, I realized soon thereafter, when I was initiated to the supernatural dimension of Christianity, of, of, of the world, uh, that soon, very soon after, I, I, I met the enemy of God and me and God's kingdom. And uh, I was in a battle, a spiritual battle. And um, I realized uh, before long that all my boyhood Disappointments and shame from not being able to be a warrior like my dad uh, were a fabrication of the enemy. That, in fact, I was a warrior, uh, only the war I was fighting was was not one fought with with bullets and and aircraft carriers, but it was the the pervasive, the the deeper war that has uh, permeated human life on this planet for uh, since the very beginnings, literally. So uh, with that, I began to uh, take the authority God was giving me and uh, began to move into my, my warrior calling. And pretty soon I began to realize that, um, that the battle I was in uh, was very much the same that most men that I knew, at least, were in also. Uh, most of us did not feel uh, comfortable uh, with with a woman, we did not know how to deal with sexuality. We didn't have a, a real sense of calling and purpose and direction in our lives. And uh, we went when, when we began to talk about what we had in common. It was always that our we did not have close relationships with our fathers. Um, uh, I asked uh, 300 Christian men recently at a Christmas men at a church men's breakfast how many of you did your dad talk to about girls and sex only two raised their hands out of 300 Christian men and I was not one of the two uh, in any case so uh, I began to uh, realize that, that the that fatherlessness was a serious issue in, in, at least in me you know, myself personally all the men I knew and as I began to uh, talk about it at large it was everywhere and uh, back on I wrote Healing Mask and in 1988, uh, it was a wound. Today it's an epidemic. In any case, that was my as I was, I was I knew God had called me to be uh, his warrior and the, that first agenda item on his list there was to get men healed so that we could uh, turn our sights away from the, the world's wars and in uh, you know, second Corinthians 10 4 we're, we're not fighting uh, we're, we're, the war weapons we use in our fight are not the world's weapons but God's mighty weapons which are used to destroy strongholds and I had to introduce men to the the true spiritual battle of hand and the power that uh, Jesus has brought us to win it, and so that's been pretty much the uh, the charter, as it were, from the Father that I've operated on and, and for the last thirty years.
0: Amen. On your uh, website, Abba Father. Dot com. you say you want men to experience healing and freedom when you get real with yourself, with God, and with other men. Um, that's only—that's how we discover not only whose we are, but the manhood we're created for and the power to walk it out. Uh, could you unpack this for, for these men, uh, what this healing and freedom looks like and what you're talking about?
1: Yeah, well, when you tell... Tell a man to be real. It all sounds very good, and then and, and you you it's, it's it's kind of a buzzword and a tagline and all that that good stuff. Everybody wants says, yeah, we want to be real stuff. But the, the problem is, uh, when you get real, um, you have to face your shame. Hmm. Uh, in, in our culture, it's. Uh, real is a dangerous thing the man who's real first gets crucified he tells the truth he walks the truth, he is the truth and he says I am the way, the truth and the life no one goes to the Father except by me, so Jesus knew that uh, all, all humanity was longing to go to the Father and, and would not have a full relationship with an earthly Father and that's what he came to provide, but he also knew that, uh, that the, one of the the key components of that journey to the Father and knowing Him truly was uh, was uh, walking in the truth. But again, uh, the truth is very dangerous. When you speak the truth, uh, you, you know you you, you could bad things happen. You, most men realize that um, we, we are broken, and to get honest with yourself first and realize that you do things that are not good for yourself or for other people, and sometimes you just you just do it. You can't. It's the sin nature that lives in us, and the shame comes over us, and the enemy blackmails us with that shame and says, you don't want to tell anybody else about that. They'll kick you into outer darkness They'll reject you, and you you will not be on the team. Uh, So we we cover up our shame, and and, uh, the enemy of God is a master at that. And we all agree to that, and in the culture we have not many men telling the truth. Certainly today in the cultural climate we live in now, that just manifests everywhere. And so um, uh, getting real with yourself is the first uh, step. Towards the Father, moving to the Father that Jesus has come to uh, facilitate for us. So, um, but, um, so I always say uh, in third grade language, is pretty simple the last one to the cross is a rotten egg. Uh, when you when you got problems, when your 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 boss is going to fire you, or your you and your wife are having troubles, or your your children are getting in trouble at school, whatever it is you got, the doctor says you need to get in here quickly. We have got problems with your your last test. Um, you know, it all feels shameful. Oh, people shouldn't, especially if you're a pastor, my goodness, you don't want anybody to know that uh, you're not perfect. So we we become masters at at covering up our shame rather than taking it openly to Jesus who bore it on the cross and says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But unfortunately... uh, The enemy steps in. The world, our our sin nature steps in, and and for many, many sadly, many, many churches uh, become a place where we hide from our 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 sin rather than uh, get real, confess it, go to Jesus, and be healed or overcome it, so that we can become His agents. Um, As a religion does, it it, it, it says uh, you, you. you're going to have to, there's no savior, you have to save yourself, and uh, you can't do that, so we have to perpetrate the lie that by saying this creed, or, or, or doing these ten principles of godly manhood, or the eight marks of the biblical champion, and all these uh, uh, things, you do all these things and measure up, and then suddenly you become, you receive the blessing of the Father. That's not Christianity at all. Um Christianity begins with death with what you're saying I give up I I, I cannot do these things I need a savior but sadly so much of of the church men's today uh, programs are even like that they're always telling us uh, here are the right things you need to do and here are all the benefits of doing it and not incidentally here's all the the trouble and the destruction that's going to come if you don't do it so buck up and read your Bible and do it but meanwhile, in Romans 7, it says, uh, I can't do it. The Apostle Paul himself said, I can't do it. Who will save me from his body taking me to death? Oh, we'll save you. Just, just pretend that you're keeping these commandments and doing all these principles and all these right things, and then the world will, won't know that you're, you're really broken. Uh, but meanwhile, neither will, um, neither will you access the power of the Father and His grace. So, um, yeah, uh, we, I, I want men to get real. And I, I, I could not have any license to say that if I myself hadn't walked that path and hold myself to it and have, have other specific men who I have called alongside me, uh, who, who I know I can trust, to call me. And, 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 and when I'm not being real, and uh, that's. That's the walk that, that I believe all men are created for. But again, it's, it's, it's fearful because we're, it, the culture tells you if, if you're real, you get kicked off and tame.
0: Yeah, it's it's almost, the perception is almost the opposite of of this uh, John Wayne personality, Lone Ranger. We used to call it, you know, where you you didn't need anybody, and there was freedom in that. And the, the opposite is actually true. The freedom is found with other men holding you to a higher standard being connected to Christ you know having people that will speak into your life hold you accountable that's where you find real freedom right well yeah those models are fraudulent
1: are are scandalously fraudulent because even any warrior knows you need your platoon yeah you don't go out into battle one by one those Rambo fanning the John Wayne stuff those are, are, are two dimensional celluloid fantasies that are deadly from the enemy of God I have a chapter book Sons of the Father, Healing the Father Wounded Men Today, um, uh, about the wolf loves the lone sheep. Mm. Uh, The enemy loves it when we pretend we're okay and, and hide from each other. He can pick us off one by one anytime
0: we want. I I certainly said in the beginning, and I'll say it again, that I've been blessed by your book, Healing the Masculine Soul, but you on your website said, uh, there were some years ago, after Healing the Masculine Soul, it led to a trilogy of men's books to become bestsellers. and a friend was praying with you about writing, and you heard the words, give me a library. And then, could you unpack these five major uh, items, as you call God's agenda for our listeners, and why you believe they're important for us, the readers, to understand God the father.
1: Yeah, well, I, I will clarify just the outset that I realized at the beginning, I can only say these were, were five of the main ones. I, I wouldn't presume to say they're, they're in fact the only ones, but there's, I believe they're highly significant, and I'll let the rest of the, of the listeners judge it. The first thing I realized is uh, God wants to heal heal us men to restore us to manhood by revealing God as our Father, because God knows that our earthly Father is not capable of giving us all the we need to be the man he's called us to be I have a son, 26 years old, he has a father wound, I don't, I'm not God I can't give him all he needs I try to steer other men into other men in situations where he can get things I can't give him, but I've wounded him he has a father wound, because I have a belly button I'm a card carrying <laughs> center like the rest of us, and so I, I, I wound my son and, 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 uh, and he knows that, we, we, we do our best to work that out but uh, God is, is, is definitely uh, um on the move in this generation to heal men are revealing God as our Father. In fact, the last two verses of the Hebrew Hebrew Bible, Jesus' Bible, Malachi 4, 5, and 6 says, uh, Behold, I'm, I'm sending you, the day is coming when I will send you the prophet Elijah, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to the fathers. That's what Jesus has come to announce uh, to fulfill the message of Elijah, that the Father, the Father, from whom all fatherhood in heaven and on earth receives his true Ephesians three fourteen has come, and all the wound that, that comes from your earthly death that we all have uh, has has come. He's come to heal that wound, and so that therefore you can come to the Father uh, as you are or as a real man or woman, and um, and be healed and strengthened and, and empowered for His purposes. So first thing God is doing is He's healing that Father wound in us, men. I was in women also in healing the masculine soul. I a chapter on fathers and daughters healing the father wounded women I have a CD and a DVD in that regard too Uh, because women are terribly wounded uh, by their fathers as well Uh, then next I knew that that, that in order to heal that wound and to get close to the father we would have to enter the spirit realm that uh, Christianity is a supernatural uh, faith. It's not just about our screwing up our courage and knowing the right thing to say and repeating the right religious stuff. We're we stepping into the realm of the spirit where we do not have control, where there is an enemy of God who is um, out to destroy uh, the works of God and to deceive us, and that is that's the battle uh, that that we need to face that we can face because Jesus has come and. Um, to destroy the works of the devil, and is present His Spirit to give us to be able to, to able to navigate the realm of the Spirit, because the Holy Spirit lives in us to give us the gifts of the spirit, which enable us to see what's going on in the spirit realm and and win the battle there. then I realized that that in order to accomplish this, that God was giving these gifts not to individuals, although individuals use them and, and wield them, but to restore his church. They're gifts given to his body, the body of Christ. Is no small thing. His church is is the vehicle, if you please, the avenue by which God is going to save this world and is here present saving it insofar as churches are surrendered to Him. But I realize, as I as in my own personal journey, um, I have quite a varied background because uh, my dad was a, was a Quaker. Uh, he's in Philadelphia. Um, I. I uh, went to Methodist uh, uh, Methodist uh, university at Duke uh, in, in North Carolina. I um, was ordained United Church of Christ. I pastored Presbyterian churches, vineyard churches. Uh, all, I, I taught at three Catholic boys' high schools. And I began to realize that the church was very divided, that there were Christians who were on the spectrum from say, Ireland, where they're literally killing each other, or they're just a, a silent standoff that our, the, our vision of Jesus is the correct one and yours is not, therefore we must separate from you. This is this is the enemy of God who brings enmity and division. We're seeing it at large today in the world. Certainly in the political scene where everything from Brexit to everybody's dividing and it's just about us and not about anybody else. Um, but and uh, I have I have wrote, wrote two books about uh, one a book about bringing the church back under Jesus. Uh, that's what we share. All Christians share Jesus in common. So we go back to the trailhead, we go back to Jesus and ask him, show us where we've gone wrong, where we've missed each other. we can't embrace each other. I mean, I may not be as, as understanding of the sacrament as, as, as Catholics and, and Episcopalians, but Jesus did the sacrament. Right. I mean, he, he did that, and he said, this is my body and my blood, and I want to know more about that, because that's a way to meet Jesus, and I need to meet Jesus in every way I possibly can. And I don't help Jesus by dismissing uh, those who meet him in that way or or other ways as as evangelicals by being born again, Pentecostals by the baptism of the Spirit. Or um, uh, social justice Christians by meeting him in the poor and the oppressed. All those are ways of meeting Jesus, and we need to be humble before him and each other to receive Jesus in those ways. But I realized that that what was keeping us from uh, embracing Jesus in that full sense was a spirit of religion, that uh, the the effort, the human effort to save ourselves, make ourselves right before God, and not really trust that Jesus has done that. So we have to kind of tweak things and. take care of business by ourselves by uh, doing the right thing and um, rather than confessing we can't do the right thing and receiving his power to do it through us. So I wrote Broken by Religion Healed by God and Religion Versus Reality that there's a seductive uh, work of the enemy to draw us away from God uh, and uh, certainly away from the saving work of Jesus to make us think we've already done that by ourselves and don't need uh uh, the supernatural reality of Jesus. And then um, I think where that tire hits the road most uh, graphically in our culture today is in of sexuality, um, certainly for men. I can only speak for men. And um, I mean, I... I mentioned earlier that uh, of the 300 men, only two had had a, had a father to talk to them about sexuality. Marriage is certainly, uh, the uh, marriage reflects the image of God. God said at the very beginning of Genesis 1, uh, God created a, a man in the image of God. Male and female, he created him in the image of God. So male and female together, united, as it were, under God, uh, it reflects the image of God. So that's not, that's no small thing. That is the most significant reflection of God, of His character and His nature in this planet. So sexuality is very key to God's identity and therefore His purposes. And sadly, in the church, uh, you know, nobody talks about it. They uh, say, you know, sex is dirty and filthy, so save it for the one you love most. Like, right, uh... Write, uh the one I love most, I'm saving the filthiest, dirtiest stuff for? <laughs> I mean, come on, I have- I don't think so. Uh, God made us sexual, but he gave us sexual desire to draw us together to a man and woman under his covering to reflect his image. That's a holy, sacred thing. It's not filthy. It's not dirty. It's sacred. It's holy. And the church, sadly, many Christians have given that over to the world because we also have those desires and misuse them, misconstrue them, and become shameful about it instead of getting real about it. So I wrote Pure Sex." Spiritual Out of Desire. Mary has a, my wife Mary is a, a psychologist and uh, works with women a lot, and she has a chapter on that, Sexual Bonding and a Woman's Heart, which, and these are things that are not talked about in the body of Christ. Can you imagine Christians who are, come, who are appointed to save, to mediate the power of God to save this world are not talking about sex? It just boggles your mind. I mean, how could we avoid the thing that everybody is thinking about and getting misled by because the church, the body of Jesus Christ, who knows only one in this world who knows all about it and is ready to teach us about it, is being ignored or avoided. So anyhow, those are the five topics that I felt at least I was being called to that were, were uh, serious uh,
0: priorities for God in these times. Now, I think that last point is so important. We get this impression um, as Christians we don't like sex, and I'll say, you know, as Christian men we like sex. We just like it with our wife. And if you don't like sex or you're a prude, then don't read the Bible because it's in there and it's ordained by God. And so we've, as you said, made yeah. it something dirty, or we made it something that you know we're not supposed to talk about because it's somehow of the devil. And that's exactly what Satan wants you to believe. Well, of course, I mean that's it. All that those prohibitions and that
1: you know, people here's the. Okay, uh, religion tells you that the law is 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 there to punish you if you step off the line. And here's the law: and if you step off, God will punish you because that law is there to keep you in line. Well, Jesus came to fulfill the law. He doesn't say the law is there to punish you if you step off and away from He said the law is a boundary that God has revealed. He has chosen his children to know the truth where the boundaries are. And if you step beyond those boundaries, you're going to get hurt. And this is not a cruel lawmaker we're talking. We're talking about a loving father who loves his children, who doesn't want them to get hurt. So he says, please, my children, don't commit adultery. Don't bear false witness. Don't do these things. They will hurt you terribly. And break my heart. And I have chosen you among all the people of the earth to reveal these, two, these truths too, so that you will tell others. Not because God's going to punish you, you have, but there's a law of gravity. We're free to break the law of gravity. We are given free will. We can break that. You can step off a rooftop, off a mountaintop. You can do it. But there are serious consequences. And God says, please don't break my law because you're going to die. It's going to hurt you terribly. And I'm your father and I love you. And I don't want to see my children die. Please. And the, the next step he's hoping is that when we try, try, try to keep those laws, we'll discover we can't do it. Absolutely. And if we're really faithful children, we'll go to him and say, Dad, Father, God, Abba, Daddy, I, I know what you did here, but I don't want to break these laws. I don't want to die. I want to live a full life, but I can't do it. And what I want to know, who will save me from this body taking me to death? That's not Gordon Dobby speaking. That's the Apostle Paul in Romans 7. And when we come to that point, that's the pivot life on this planet if you really want abundant life that Jesus came for is to say who's going to save me because I need saving power. I keep stepping off a cliff. It's not because I want to. It's there. I I mean, I, I can talk to any man. Come on, guy. Don't tell me you don't look that girl stepping Across your path, and the wind blows at her skirt, you don't look. Don't tell me that. <laughs> tell me that, that that's not something you want to be doing, but it, it's in you to do. You had to go to Jesus and our fellow man and start getting real together and let God fill us with his power. But my son, we live in a university town. My son's a young guy. We walk down the street. I remember one time he was about 16 or 17, and all these co-eds are coming down the street, and they're hardly dressed at all in the summertime in California, and I just look. I looked at him, and I looked, I looked at his son, wow, I said, God sure, he sure knew what he was doing when he made women, didn't he? And we had a kind of laugh about it, and then we, then we began to just talk about how, how hard it is sometimes to keep your eyes straight when these things are going on, and I said, you know, this is something that, it's not in your nature to do, but that's why Jesus has come, and we talk about it, and that's where life is, talking with your father, about things that you can't control but the church of course needs to believe so uh, so many christians power to the shame that they don't want to accept the fact that this is the way it is and we do sin Job said i made a covenant with my eyes okay yeah that that, that's a god i need you to come and help me and not just help me but do this in they? and that's where the saving power is but sadly uh, religion just tells you we're there to punish you if you do this wrong and one of the wonders we do it wrong we we do we do look and then the culture is hell bent. you can't you can't go past a billboard or turn on a TV these days much less go to the movies god help us all without being tempted
0: and Men, once again, I want to thank you for listening to the Pursuit of Manliness show. It was a blessing to talk to Gordon, and uh, this is just part one of the interview. Next week, I will upload uh, part two. He has a lot more to say about uh, our identity, where we get it from, and just becoming uh, a man who is real. And so I hope that's an encouragement to you. Uh, once again, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. All Pursue Manliness on the website, thepursuitofmailiness.com. And if you go to iTunes, you can click subscribe and never miss any of the Pursuit of Maliness shows. So, guys, thanks for listening, and I hope that you keep pursuing Maliness. One thing
1: you will see is that you're loved by this king, and you ain't born to be no average Joe.